You're listening to Ask the Expert on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings again from Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com, and welcome to another edition of the Sprott Money Ask the Expert podcast. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and this week we have a very special guest, Peter Grosskopf. Peter is the Chief Executive Officer of Sprott, Inc., also Managing Director at Sprott Resource Lending. Thanks for joining us, Peter. Well, thanks for having me, Craig. Well, this is a pleasure. It's great to get to know you, and I look forward to uh, asking you some of the questions we've gotten. Thanks to all the listeners who send in their questions. We try to get to all of them. And please just remember that if you like today's podcast or any of the other content that Sprott Money puts out and you want to hear more, make sure you like what we're doing here on whatever channel you're listening to, maybe subscribe as well. And finally, always keep in mind that this content comes to you via Sprott Money. So if you're looking to buy some silver, maybe something a little unique, right now Sprott Money is the only company offering first majestic five ounce silver ingots. Hey, these are pretty cool actually. We're over 90% sold out, so don't miss the chance to order yours. You can find more information on the First Majestic Silver Ingots, plus a host of other products by calling us at 888-861-0775. Or, of course, you can just go online to SprottMoney.com and uh, get yourself some. It's pretty cool. Uh, And obviously, uh, Keith Newmeyer down there at uh, First Majestic is somebody we want to support. We love what he's doing down there. So anyway, Peter, again, thank you uh, for joining me. We've been collecting questions for you. I've got seven of them for you as we go through this. Can, if you're ready, can I hit you with the first? Yeah, sounds great. Fire away. Let's just dive right into current events. Uh, as we record this on the 25th, news hit yesterday that uh, I can't remember the exact verbiage that the Russians used, but that they were, if you're an unfriendly country, they want you to buy their natural resources in rubles or maybe what they called hard money, something like gold. So, Peter, what do you think? What happens to the gold price if Russia begins to sell crude oil and natural gas and the rest in gold? Well, I think it's part of a bigger picture, which is that the U.S. is using its dollar and the SWIFT system to cut Russia off. Uh, In other words, weaponize the dollar. Um, And... We think that will have uh, an equal and opposite reaction for those that don't want the dollar to be uh, weaponized. Now, in this case, it's highly uh, emotional and aggravated um, behaviors around uh, the the war in the Ukraine. But uh, what this will do is drive other countries away from the U.S. dollar. um, And uh, we think uh, into other hard asset um, uh, um, hard asset uh, stores of value like gold and, and Russia will continue to be able to in- interact with gold and, and, and their own uh, ruple. But, um, you know, it'll take people out of the U.S. dollar and start to um, uh, s- start to transact in, in ways that they hadn't thought of before. Would you think of it as, uh, you know, I've, I've heard even Eric say, you know, it's it, it's not that there's not enough gold to be able to do this. It's just that the gold that there is isn't priced high enough. You agree with that? I do. Um, that <clears throat> the gold uh, store of, of value in the world, as everyone knows, is around twelve trillion. It's a tiny fraction of the financial system and uh, other forms of fiat currency. So if there's more 
relative demand for gold, I think it leads to dramatic price upside. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, Peter, as uh, from your position as uh, CEO of Sprott Inc., uh, this is a great question for you because it has to do with uh, the two big ETFs that you guys manage, the PHYS, which is uh, physical gold, and the PSLV, which is p- physical silver. And I should interject, I get asked a lot because uh, I'm on Twitter and in the things I write, telling people to be out of e- these gold ETFs. And what I'm referring to is the GLD and the SLV, the big ETFs that are managed by some of the bullion banks. Um, the average individual investor is not able to get any metal out of those. Okay. So when you own those, you own just simply exposure to price. And that's why I always tell people not to own them. But I myself own PHYS and PSLV because I believe in them. And I'm sure you do as well, Peter. Can you speak to uh, the allocated nature of both of those funds? I absolutely can. And I was around when uh, Eric and the team at Sprott um, created those structures and they are trust structures that hold the physical metal on behalf of investors. So they are different than the ETF structures that represent what GLD and SLV are doing. So you're talking about one for one allocated storage and holding those bars on behalf of investors and investors actually have a linkage through a physical redemption mechanism, which allows uh, under certain circumstances, of course, there have to be minimum amounts involved, but they allow investors to pick up the physical gold and silver. And um, that's vastly different than the GLD and SLV, which are cash settled. And in this scenario that we can all envision as gold investors, where the financial system starts to, to fail due to its leveraged nature and, and dependence on uh, unbelievable amounts of credit. If the system freezes like it did when Lehman was frozen, you know, th- those financial contracts may not be able to be settled. Whereas a, a physical contract like what our trust is based on can. And so there's a huge difference in those in the very event that you're trying to protect yourself from. And therefore we vastly prefer our our structure and have from the onset to those of the ETFs. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. And I hope that that should provide a good answer too for everybody out there wondering what the difference is. Um, Let's move on to question number three, Peter. This has been a crazy couple of weeks in commodities and really raising some questions about the pricing structure in general, given what's going on at the LME with nickel. Uh, but a lot of the other base metals are going, are going bonkers as well. So the third question just simply is that, what do you think of the current volatility in base metals, nickel, copper, and the rest? And what does that mean for silver? Okay, uh, I'm going to break it down into two questions. Um, the, the volatility in base metals and the Um, fallout from the Russia sanctions are related. Uh, It's making the movement of metals tougher to finance. And um, you're getting these massive swings because the market's failing to function properly now. 
Um, I think it, it also speaks to the trend towards globalization where the global supply chain was really very efficient when everyone trusted each other. And as soon as they don't trust each other, these inefficiencies fall away and, and countries start getting much more worried about security of supply. Um, so that's happened with commodities now. They're tougher to finance. They're tougher to move. It's tougher to trust people in that market. And, you know, I hate to say it, but 40 years of underinvestment are starting to show itself. And so this was the event that kind of pulled the emperor's whatever, you know, the emperor has no clothes. Uh, it's, it's kind of like now we see that we're actually, you know, quite short in the global system of, of some of these commodities. Um, in terms of silver, silver does relate to base metal demand in that there's a lot of co-production of, of, of silver with base metals. I, I think that um, in general, silver is also, um, I think it's vulnerable because it's, it's paper traded many multiples over what it's able to be physically supplied. And if you start hitting shortage times in um, silver, you could easily see a knock-on effect to silver. Well, and that's all part of, you know, what we wonder, how related these markets are. Will people start to think, yeah, uh, look what's going on in the base metals. Maybe I should be worried about my silver. Is that something that's on your mind too? Well, on top of that, silver, of course, is also a monetary metal. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's known as the poor man's gold. It's a much smaller market than gold. If you start to get a run on, on silver by investors, it, 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 it goes into short supply very quickly. And um, I think we're dealing with a potentially explosive in, environment in that regard, too, because the market's roughly in balance from a physical perspective um, in terms of industrial demand. As soon as investment demand comes in, that market can't handle it. And, and so you get a squeeze and, and now you're going to get a squeeze with 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 all of these market participants not trusting each other, uh, it could be uh, exaggerated because of yeah. that. Yeah. Well, all right, Peter, we are almost uh, halfway home as we get to question okay. number four. Uh, your old cohort, Rick Rule, is someone um, who is very excited about uranium and green energy. He had an online conference uh, about a week ago that was very well attended. And I know Rick has... Uh, expressed his enthusiasm for the sector uh, quite a few times over the last year or two. What is your opinion? What do you think of uranium? Well, we've been tracking it and investing in it for many years at Sprott, um, dating back into the 1990s. And in 2017, we saw this situation where once again, it was trading well below the cost of production. And we made a call that, that, you know, the grid was denying the fact that really uranium needed to be a substantial part of the production of electricity by many countries that solar and wind just weren't going to cut it for various reasons. So you had this whole supply chain on the uranium side massively underwater and underinvested in. It was a great time to get back in. Uh, we got back in with the formation of SPUT uh, last year. We still think uranium's trading under its long-term cost of finding, acquisition, and financing when you include all those metrics. 
And we still think the grid needs to reintroduce uranium to a much higher percentage, nuclear power, that is. So we think it's still in the very early innings of sorting itself out. These moves take a long time. Um, you need to be patient. But I think that um, that whole uranium supply chain, right, from mine to services, is going to get stretched as uh, reactors fire back up and, and, and new reactors are built. All right. Okay, let's move on to question five. Um, this definitely is right in your wheelhouse and your years of experience in the sector. Uh, do you feel that we are now in, officially, a bull market in the precious metals? And uh, how do you feel about the shares? Absolutely. I think we have been in a bull market, to be clear, um, since 2000, 2001. Um, we, we've had some substantial corrections, the most recent of which occurred because of the bounce back in confidence in financial uh, markets as the Fed printed. Um, technically speaking, it was a wedge pattern that was um, slowly falling back to a, a correction low, which got hit early this year. And then you had the breakout from the wedge. So we're back in the bull pattern. And I think that because the, inflate, uh, the Fed very much does not have inflation under control and we still have negative real rates, um, I, I think you're going to get, and now you've got increased risk and, and, and heat in the system from the geopolit geopolitics, uh, I think gold's going to take a run back up to its old highs. Um, you asked about the equities. They've been mostly left behind until very recently, they've got a lot of catching up to do. They're trading at very low multiples, even compared to S&P stocks, extremely low multiples, record spread to S&P equities. And uh, those producers have a long way to catch up to the gold price even. Yeah. Uh, it'll be sure be fun to, when that recognition finally takes hold, it, things might move pretty quickly. That's for sure. Uh, but here's, <laughs> Here's one that kind of deals more, I don't know, and it's not so specific to certain companies, but it's just kind of an oddity of the market. person wrote in and said, you know, uh, sometimes the stocks I own trade more volume in a day than they have shares outstanding. And uh, why is that? How does that work? <laughs> well, um, I'm not uh, privy to some of the inside secrets of quantitative trading, but um when, when a small company gets recognized by the internet these days, um, you can get an unbelievable turnover coming uh, from uh, institutional shareholders or quantitative traders that are sometimes short. They have to cover their shorts. Retail can come in all in one day and you get this massive turnover. And on top of that, you get float trading just as brokers make markets around that volume. So it gets exaggerated, maybe two to one, three to one, very, very uh, close to home situation, uh, which was uh, similar to that over the last couple of weeks was Highcroft Mining, where mm. the company had just been absolutely punished. Lots, lots of traders were probably short, lots of institutions had to sell. And in one day it gets discovered. And I, I don't know what percentage of the the total company outstanding it traded, but it must've been close to a hundred percent. And it's a function of people just in and out, in and out, 
that sort of thing? No, I, I think it's a function of a, a new perception of whether that company has been mispriced and it's being discovered by one group of shareholders, in this case, retail, and um, abandoned by another, in this case, institution. And so you've got that trading volume all happening in one day, but it can happen so quickly now because it's discovered by the internet. And then it gets exaggerated by the professional trade around it, which is, if you want to call it that, float trading as they make markets. So it's it's magnified by two or three times. Terrific. All right, Peter, you, uh, you've been very gracious uh, with your time. I've got just one question left to go that was sent. And this is probably something that crossed uh, almost every precious metals investor's mind at some point. This person says they usually stick just to physical metal and has a lot of silver, uh, but then writes, like, I'm a believer in the long-term story. So I'm getting curious in mining shares. What offers more leverage to the price, a, a current producer of silver or maybe a silver exploration company? Hmm. Well, that's hard to say between those two. They both offer a lot of leverage. Uh, the metric that we like to give is uh, producers have roughly three times the leverage of the silver price because of the reserves in the ground that they own. And that usually holds true over time. I think an exploration company that's not even yet considered a producer has even more leverage because they're still in the process of finding how much reserve they might have. So I, I would say it kind of more than three times, more like five or six times um, leverage. And, and, and yet it's hard to quantify because for an exploration company, all those numbers are still being worked out. Maybe it's a question of just how bullish you are. On <laughs> and, and on the drilling program in the case of the e Explorer. Yes. And as we discussed, you're, you're pretty bullish. You think uh, the precious metals and the shares uh, have some good stuff ahead. I do. I, I think the metals will hit new highs due to this environment we're in. And I think the producers have even more ground to catch up because of how much they've lagged. And again, I'd encourage everybody, go to the Sprott Inc. website, check out all of the services that are available there. And uh, if you need any assistance, I'm sure someone would be happy to help you. Peter Groskoff, of course, is CEO of Sprott Inc. It's been a pleasure having him on here for Ask the Expert this month. Peter, thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm always delighted to talk about this and look forward to catching up again sometime soon. Let's do it. And again, everybody listening, thank you for listening. Before you go, please remember this content comes from Sprott Money should be one of your first choices for an online bullion dealer or any bullion storage that you might need. Again, you can go to SprottMoney.com, check it all out online, but anytime you want to just talk to a real human being and find out about the products and services of Sprott Money, you can give them a call at 888-861-0775. This has been your Ask the Expert segment for March 2022. Thank you all for listening. We'll have another one of these segments for you next month.